Louise Bedford here. Just before we kick off with today's show, I wanted to let you know that for one week only, you can get up to 84% off a selection of my most popular trading education products available through tradinggame.com.au. Make no mistake. Your financial future is in your hands. So check out the audios, videos, and study courses that I have available at tradinggame.com.au. Now's your chance to develop your skills as a trader for up to 84% off, but only for the next week. Let's get on with the show. We're very good at putting ourselves down and thinking of things we've messed up, but we're not so good at giving ourselves a pat on the back. And really, that's what we should be doing. There was a study done ages ago called the Five Minute Manager. A couple of Americans studied successful firms and unsuccessful ones. And they only found there was one thing that marked out the successful firm from the unsuccessful is that they attempted to catch people doing something right and praise them for it. The unsuccessful ones were keen on catching people doing out something wrong and blaming them for it. Now, when you think of so much that happens in our schools and so much that happens within families, people are constantly doing the second one, finding things to blame, and we do it to ourselves. We find things we're doing wrong and blame ourselves instead of when we do something good, thinking, gee, I did that all right. Hi, it's journalist Caroline Stephen. In a year that's been so difficult for many of us in 2020, we have lost someone very close to us here at Talking Trading. Beloved, respected, renowned psychologist and peak performance coach Dr. Harry Stanton has died at the age of 88 in his hometown of Hobart. Today's show we offer as a tribute to Dr. Harry Louise Bedford was extremely close to Dr. Harry and they co-authored the book, Let the Trade Winds Flow. To start today's show, here is Louise with a tribute on Harry's passing. Out of all of the emotions, I think that grief is the most difficult to articulate. How do I tell you what Dr. Harry Stanton meant to me? You see, the great man passed and I'm crushed. When I was 15, I wanted to run away from home and my sister Valerie gave me his book, The Plus Factor, and she said, read this book and if you do and you still want to leave home, I'll help you and you can come and live with me. But if you decide to go without reading this book, then you don't have my support. The strength of an older sister. I read Dr. Harry Stanton's book before I knew him. It changed my world. It made me want to study psychology and I did go on to do psychology and business and years later I heard on the grapevine that Dr. Harry Stanton was a trader. My broker at that stage knew that I had a fangirl thing going for Harry and he organised for Harry Stanton to phone me. Now, Harry phoned me quite late, actually, about nine o'clock on a Sunday night. And he said, oh, it's Harry Stanton here. Can I speak to Louise? And I said, oh, for goodness sake, who is it really? I thought it was one of my uni friends 
telling me that, hey, this is a funny prank to play. Your mentor's ringing you up. And I made him say his name again. And he said, you know, it's Dr. Harry Stanton. And I said, oh my gosh, I've got all of your books. I've just worshipped you since I was 15. And I think you're amazing. And I did a massive blab. And my husband in the background was trying to get me to shut up to find out why Harry was phoning me. And from that moment, from that vulnerable moment where I basically confessed my undying worship of this person, he became my friend. He took me under his wing. I taught him about candlestick charting and options, and he taught me more about positive psychology. And eventually, Chris Tate, my business partner, and I wrote Harry's book with him again, Let the Trade Winds Flow. It was a wonderful project. We've had him in to speak for us. We've had him do CDs with us. It has just been such an amazing working relationship. But more than that, he was my friend. The trading world has lost a resource, but everybody, everybody has lost a resource. He helped Olympians. He helped people at a high performance level. He helped people quit smoking. He was an amazing father, an incredible husband. And in fact, as his wife gradually dipped into dementia, he gave me the honour of helping him write a love letter to his wife. And I took that honour seriously. We cried as we realised what Harry was losing, the grief that he was going through. It's awful dementia. And to watch that part of his life collapse was so sad. But he let me in. He let me share his views. We talked about books. We talked about trading strategies. When my father died, he stepped up and he gave me perspective. I adored the man. And it is so hard for me to actually say that I've lost such a good friend. So I want you to think about Harry today, honour his legacy, realise the difference that he has made to thousands, potentially millions of people around the world and realise how lucky we have been to have him as a part of Talking Trading and as a part of our community. Cherish those who give you strength. Show appreciation and gratitude for the people in your life who are mentors and who are friends, so that by the time it is time to say goodbye to them, you realise you have said everything of value. I had said everything I needed to say to Harry before he died, and that does give me solace. But be assured, there is an aching void in my heart, and it is a Harry Stanton void, and I don't think it will ever be filled. I'm Dr. Harry Stanton. I'm the author of Let the Trade Winds Flow and I listen to Talking Trading. Over the time of Talking Trading, I interviewed Dr. Harry many times. My memory of Harry is someone who was so kind, patient, gentle, wise. His career was built on improving people's self-esteem, their self-confidence and personal relationships. Harry's specialty was morale building, 
self-empowerment and performance enhancement. Among many of Harry's professional experiences includes coaching elite athletes and counselling survivors of the Port Arthur massacre and the victims' families. Over the many interviews we did with him on Talking Trading, the following excerpt on performance habits is the one that I remember him best for and sums up who he was as a person to me. This was the last time I spoke with Dr. Harry and his saying goodbye on the interview seems more poignant than ever. Harry used to quote the Dalai Lama in his interviews, so I thought I would read out one of the most famous and well-known prayers of the Dalai Lama. So long as space exists and sentient beings endure, I shall too remain to dispel the misery of the world. The Dalai Lama, whose life is dedicated towards helping humanity, is what Harry dedicated his life to as well. The Dalai Lama also speaks about the fragility of a precious human birth and how a lifetime is like a flash of lightning in the sky. In 88 years, Harry touched so many people's lives through his work. His endless kindness, his endless patience, his wisdom, his humour, his guidance, his ability to bring out the best in people will be missed by all of us here at Talking Trading. Goodbye, Dr. Harry Stanton. Thank you for bringing so much light into so many people's lives through your work. May you rest in peace and may we continue your legacy of morale building and peak performance. We're very good at putting ourselves down and thinking of things we've messed up, but we're not so good at giving ourselves a pat on the back and really that's what we should be doing. There was a study done ages ago called the Five Minute Manager. A couple of Americans studied successful firms and unsuccessful ones, and they only found there was one thing that marked out the successful firm from the unsuccessful, is that they attempted to catch people doing something right and praise them for it. The unsuccessful ones were keen on catching people doing out something wrong and blaming them for it. Now, when you think of so much that happens in our schools and so much that happens within families, People are constantly doing the second one, finding things to blame, and we do it to ourselves. We find things we're doing wrong and blame ourselves instead of when we do something good, thinking, gee, I did that all right. And again, another another habit we were talking about, though, is one habit I have is where people can do something that is, um, when they feel really good about something, you can get them to dwell on it, think about it a lot. During the day, create the habit of thinking about something positive. And, another ha- and the habit that's built on that is you, you get them having a, um, a, pos- a positive diary. That they, A lot of people have diaries, but the idea of a positive diary, the only things you put in it are positive things. And then at the end of the week, you can look, look at it and think, God, I thought it was pretty dreadful this week. Actually, I was all right. And that's really another one of these really good habits that is easy to install. Okay, so you mentioned repetition. And I'm going to tell a story about Arnold Schwarzenegger. When he started weight training, he was taught that it was all about marking down the number of reps he did. And the practice, in his words, had a huge effect on his motivation. Writing out his goals became second nature. 
And so did the conviction that there was no shortcut to take. So for him, it took thousands of reps to learn how to hit a great three-quarter back pose, deliver a great punchline, dance the tango in True Lies, and say, I'll be back in just the right ways. And in his speeches as governor, you can see the counting strokes of over 50 times he would practice a speech. And in his words, whether you're doing a bicep curl in a chilly gym or talking to world leaders, there is absolutely no shortcuts. Everything is reps. What do you think, Dr. Harry? Yeah, I think that's. I think repetition is the key thing. There's a very simple another habit that that reminded me of. You, you have worry time. You set aside each day, and this is a habit that some people find hard to do. Others who do it, it's like magic. You set aside worry time each day. Let, let's just say you, you've decided on 4.30 and you're going to have a quarter of an hour's worry time. Anything anything that happens earlier in the day, you're not allowed to worry about it then. You're going to worry about it in your worry time. Now, the interesting thing that happens, by the time you get to worry time, you've forgotten a lot of the things you're worried about. <laughs> but what you do for that quarter of an hour, or it might be half an hour, whatever you decide, you write down all the things that are worrying you. If you run out of things to say, you have to repeat yourself. But you have to write for the whole worry time about things that bother you. The next day, you still have your worry time. But when you come to worry time, you read what you've written the day before and then set fire to it, burn it. The next day, you write. The day after, you read and burn. The interesting thing is if you develop that habit you'll find that most of the things that worry you don't worry anymore. They just simply disappear. The law of least effort. It's human nature to follow the law of least effort, which states that people will naturally gravitate towards the option that requires the least amount of work. The vital thing is to get a habit to stick is to feel successful even in a small way. That's this. That's the whole idea of setting up sub-goals. A lot of people... Uh, get carried away with this idea of setting goals and so on, and they set some really, you know, some really big goal. I'm I'm going to going to give up alcohol totally for the rest <laughs> of my life, sort of thing. And but you normally fail, of course. But what what people often can do, though, and this comes back, of course, to the one something like the one percent thing, is that in fact you decide, all right, for one week, you're just going to reduce the number of nights you drink alcohol uh, and you hold that for a couple of weeks, three or four weeks maybe, and then set up another sub-goal for yourself and another one and another one and you have to keep congratulating yourself each time you achieve it. But lots of people, coming back to the point you raised originally, a lot of people find those sort of things too hard to do. It's too much like hard work. It's easier to go with the fact that I love getting drunk more or less. Well, a lot of people do um, because when you're drunk, you forget, all, forget a lot of the things that are worrying you and upsetting you. There are a lot better ways of doing it than, than with alcohol, for, fortunately. But again, it's a matter of having some sort of... It's, it all comes back to discipline, doesn't it, really? Mental discipline, controlling what you do in a way that's going to be helpful to you. Final piece of advice for people wanting to develop good habits. I think 
one of the most important things, something we overlook again and again. We learn things almost one from birth by imitating other people. We learn to walk, we see other people walking. We gradually learn to talk that way too and so on. I think one of the most effective things you can do is to, to get a model. Someone, someone you, let's say, just take, I, I do a lot of work with confidence building because people seem to find as they get older, they become less and less confident and harder and harder on themselves and often stop liking themselves and so on. But when, when to, one of the ways of helping people become more confident is ask them to say, look, do you know someone who you think, oh, if only I was as confident as her? If not, is there someone on TV or in movies that you think, if only I could be confident like that? Joanna and Lumley. Goes, I have a crush on Joanna Lumley. Have you? Yes. Actually, she does those, those shows very well. Um, but the fact is, you then model your behaviour, just that part of your behaviour, not the whole lot, on how that person would have acted. And the interesting thing is, when you copy someone like that, you know for a start off you're, you're playing a part, and that's the way I put it to people, you're playing a part. After a while, they're not playing a part, they've, they've become like that. And I think that's one of the most powerful ways you can have of installing habits. Thank you so much for your time coming back on to Talking Trading and Talking to Me. A pleasure always, Caroline. And with Harry's passing, that is it for Talking Trading in 2020. We are now officially signing off for the year. We will be back next year on February the 10th in 2021 with more trading guests full of information and inspiration. So from Louise Bedford, Chris Tate and myself, happy Christmas, happy new year and happy trading. Take care. As always, if you like this show, please be sure to tell a friend. This is super important because word of mouth is the most powerful way that people can get in touch with us. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcast and make sure you give us a big fat five-star review because it helps people find us. You'll also notice that Talking Trading doesn't use sponsors and barely advertisers. This is because Chris Tate and Louise Bedford fund this show from tradinggame.com.au. If you'd like to get Louise's five-part free e-course, register at tradinggame.com.au. So until next week, happy trading. The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regards to your own situation.